You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to a crossover episode. This is the biggest crossover ever recorded in Miami Heat podcasting history. It's a crossover between Locked On Heat, Miami Heat Beat, and Five Rooms Sports. I'm Wes Goldberg with Locked On Heat. For Miami Heat Beat, we have Nikias Duncan, Alex Toledo, and Jack Alfonso. And then joining us from Five Reasons Sports is Ethan Skolnick. And we are standing somewhere in Las Vegas uh, at the Thomas & Mack Center uh, while Summer League play happens outside. And we're trying not to make uh, too much of a ruckus because we don't know if we're supposed to be here. But we're standing here in the hallway, and we have a lot to talk about in regards to the Miami Heat. Obviously, uh, some summer league takeaways. I think Yante Maiton looks really good. I think that's at, like the forefront of everybody's mind when it comes to the Heat right now. Um, but other than that, Russell Westbrook rumors, guys. Uh, does anybody here is anybody here in favor of Russell Westbrook? I think that's a good place to start. You know what? Start with Nikias on that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm in favor of it under the right circumstances. I, I think, uh, it, to me, Bam Adebayo is the line of demarcation this offseason. I, I just think it's going to be really difficult to find a unique big who fits the modern NBA and fits the Heat program the way that he does. And I want to see him develop with the Heat. Um, to me, everybody else can be on the table. Um, this is not an organization that goes halfway and waits. They just don't do it. And, you know, they're, you can say it's more prudent for them to do that right now. And I think there's a case that could be made for that. But I just think, look, you went and got one guy. No team in the league right now has two healthy superstars, has more than two healthy superstars. There's like seven teams that have two. And I think if you get the second, then I was just talking to somebody in the, in the Heat organization who was saying, We'll bet on our culture, our coaches, our training staff that if you give everybody the same playing field with two stars, that we can find other pieces around them and we can get more out of our two stars than another team might be able to get. And and to me, that's what it's about. So I think if you can do it and, and Winslow and Dragic are primary pieces, I think you roll the dice on it. I think if Bam's involved in it, that's where I would draw the line. I do think that that is the key question is, can the culture make something out of a Russell Westbrook-Jimmy Butler pairing? Is that something that is formidable in the Eastern Conference? Do we think it is? I think it's possible. Uh, My question, even if they do get Westbrook uh, changing his game enough to kind of silence some of the concerns we have with his particular play style, I mean, some of the lineups I've been, been seeing like thrown out have Myers Leonard starting and even if you have two healthy superstars like Myers Leonard starting on your team isn't really going to work out and so I just worry um, if they give up two major pieces to get Westbrook you have two healthy superstars but you don't have much depth beyond that and they don't really have a way of filling that like so that's my main question the salary is a big problem and you can't really build around that right yeah, that's that's kind of my issue. When I, was, I was actually talking to Ethan about it yesterday. I said if you have to trade for Russell Westbrook, you're either going to give up um, one of the young guys, and we can kind of debate what kind of value that's going to be once you tie the money in, or you're going to have to give up the kind of shooters like a Kelly Olynyk, um, Goran Dragic is a good spot up shooter. You're giving up the spacing that's going to be needed to make a Jimmy Butler, um, Russell Westbrook pairing work. And Miami's hard capped on top of that, so it's going to be kind of hard to find those ancillary pieces to kind of spread the floor for them. Alex, is there any? any reason at all the Heat should trade for Westbrook? Is Bam the line of demarcation, like Ethan says, or is there just no line of demarcation? Is this a straight no for you? So I agree in that I definitely would not trade Bam in this part of the, as part of the trade. But if it comes to, 
I think a lot of Heat Twitter is very divided on this right now. Some people are like, of course you trade for Russell Westbrook. You know, there's a guy who just averaged triple-doubles for three years in a row. I think the, the real question is envisioning what that team looks like on the floor. Because it's like you're talking about a guy who, whose usage has been, what, hovering around the 40s the past couple of years? Uh, you know, Jimmy came over here with the expectation that he was going to be the lead guy. And I, it seems like there's a lot more questions when it comes to, like, a Russell Westbrook trade. Like, like what Nakai said, maybe you give up shooting. Uh, maybe you give up a young piece. You also got to, you know, he, he's on the wrong side of 30 while his contract goes up every year. He's going to be getting paid $47 million at the end of the contract. And then there's a lot of questions. And the Heat might still do it anyways, man. I mean, the Jimmy Butler thing, I mean, he's got to be asked about this, it feels like, at some yes. point. And he'll say yes. Uh, he'll say yes. And I was talking to people today about that and this idea of him having to be the number one guy. And the reality is they don't think that's really the case with him, that he doesn't have to be the number one. In fact, I saw a Casey Johnson who covers the Bulls better than anybody, and, and he was saying that the Bulls basically decided after two years of what was it, 42 and 40 and 41 and 41, that you couldn't win anything significant with Jimmy as your lead guy and that Jimmy recognizes that, that he needs a co-star. I, want, I, I understand all of Alex's concerns, and I'm going to try to shoot them down one by one here because from their perspective, okay? Because I'm not saying I don't agree with someone. The first thing is, and, and the thing about not having shooting this year – Every time that the Heat have done one of these projects where they brought in stars and then tried to, and it's been a two year process to build around them. And I think that's what Riley would say at the press conference. It would indicate to people, to indicate to people like us, okay, exactly what they're doing. When they brought in Shaq that first year, they grabbed Damon Jones, okay, as a starter. They still had Eddie, so they had another piece. They grabbed Damon Jones, okay, and he became a starter for that team. They, nobody projected Damon Jones was going to be a starter on a team that could have won a championship if Dwayne doesn't pull a ribcage muscle in Game 5 against Detroit, okay? The Big Three era, the plan was not to go with Dampier and Elgowskis and McGlore, okay, for any length of time, right, or Carlos Arroyo, who was your starting point guard for the first half of that season, or, you know, basically dead man's Mike Bibby. Like, that wasn't the plan. It was understood that you got what you got the first year, but this is a process, and we're going to go into a second offseason. So I think that's the way they would frame it. I think we can look at it this way, and they can say, look, the Eastern Conference is wide open. There are really two teams that could be elite, Okay. I don't know where Toronto is. I don't know where Boston is, but I think there are two teams that could be elite. They look at this and say, with our coaching staff, if we can get more efficiency out of Westbrook, Butler's not that high a usage guy anyway, okay, and we can get to a three or four seed this year, and then we'll go into the next offseason as a three or four seed that probably won a first-round series with two guys who maybe people do want to play with after seeing that, and we'll go get our shooters then. So I, I think that... We can't look at this like this is going to be a finished product on day one for the Heat. That's just not how they operate. Yeah, and I know that you're not saying that. This is the, the Heat's – this would be the, the Heat's, Heat's perspective. perspective. Now, if they trade Bam, I have a different perspective on this because right. then I think it looks more to me like Pat at 75 years old is basically saying, I don't care about anybody young. We're going to go we, – I got to go for broke now because I got to go for broke now. Yeah. But I, I think, think the pushback from anybody who's watched basketball for like the last two years would be that Russell Westbrook is not what Shaq was – when Shaq joined the Heat, or certainly out with LeBron or even Chris Bosh was, right. that he there's a clear ceiling with Russell Westbrook. And to me, that's the biggest that's the biggest pushback against this. Is like, it kind of feels like, all right, Westbrook's available? Sweet. Let's do that. 
where I don't even know if that was ever the plan because there's no way that Pat Riley and all, everybody could have known no that this was. there is no plan in a lot of these cases, and I'll let these guys. But they're like a lot of this stuff is just like it's like Pat said at the press conference. We need somebody to declare their intentions, right? We need somebody to force their way somewhere. They don't know who that next guy is going to be all the time. If it had been Anthony Davis, if they had a place for Anthony Davis, obviously that would have been preferred. But they just go down the list. Like this is, a, you know, we talk about like them being Pat being a genius and all that. NBA is not that hard to figure out. They're really good players. Everybody knows who they are. You wait for one of them to come to a place, and then you sell your culture, or you sell your city, or you sell the women on South Beach, or you sell the no state tax, or you sell whatever it is they're selling. But but it's not like the NFL is different. Like the NFL, like you're identifying 53 guys for your team, right? Is different, okay? In the NBA, though, everybody knows who's good. <laughs> okay? Except for Russell Westbrook. We, there's, there's like a big deal. Like we don't but, know if he's but, good. But is he? He's good, okay? The he's question, talented. The is, is he right? for what they're trying to do. But I want to see Eric Spolstra in a room with Russell Westbrook because I'm sure Eric has been working on this for a while and trying to figure out ways to get more efficiency out of a player like that. And I think he'd welcome that. Is it possible? I don't know. You can't teach him to shoot. That's the thing. I don't care. I mean, I mean, any thoughts, guys? Any thoughts? I mean, not to divert to something else entirely, but are we just not talking about John Wall anymore? Because like, if the question is John Wall or Russell Westbrook, I don't know what I pick. I, like I think you pick Westbrook because he can play. But if you could get Beal out of a wall, like a wall Beal deal, like I would rather have Beal and then take on whatever wall is. And I'm not saying that's possible, but I don't know what the details of any of these deals would look like. Well, that's interesting because if the Heat were to acquire Russell Westbrook right now, they would still be able to, they would have the flexibility in 2021 when Bradley Beal is a free agent to clear that space and sign Bradley Beal. And then you would ta- you're talking about Westbrook, Jimmy Butler, and Bradley Beal, which I still don't think is good enough to win a championship. But it is it, you are getting a point guard who is very highly paid, John Wall or Russell Westbrook or Bradley Beal. So you could kind of, if in your scenario, you're almost just like fast-forwarding to that right now, right? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, Ethan mentioned it where it's never like a one-year or an immediate process where if we're already saying like, you know, you're kind of ha- going to have to like pick and choose some randoms and fill spots and like you're probably not going to win immediately with Westbrook. I mean, then why not just punt down the road and not sign Westbrook, keep your young guys and then have the space? So John Wall or Russell Westbrook now seems to be the debate, which should be, uh, <laughs> which is very fun. Look, I'm I'm really can't believe if you're gonna make the move for for Westbrook, why not call Cleveland ask for Kevin Love? I'd rather have him. Hell, I'd rather call Toronto and be like Kyle Lowry, expiring deal. What do you want? Uh, to those those guys impact winning more than I think Westbrook does, and they're not gonna get paid forty seven million dollars when they're thirty three years old, which is pretty nice. I actually think the Kevin Love contract is way better than Westbrook's, and I think he's probably a more impactful player at a high level basketball. When he plays, right? right. I mean, you know, I, that's my thing on Kevin Love. Like, I mean, I watched him up close. I was in Cleveland for a year. You're supposed to say I'm sorry. Uh, I was in, I was, I was in Cleveland for a year, and you know, uh, you know, I, I came away pretty unimpressed by him. I, I just did. I, I just didn't think, you know, his his instincts defensively, in particular, but also just not being able to count on him night to night. There was always something. Um, I just I, I can see offensive potential obviously there with what Eric can do with him. I, I know the Heat value have valued him, but I that contract to be that one concerns me as much as any of the others. I, I know everybody thinks that's a sort of a fail safe plan. Again, when have we counted on Kevin Love to play seventy games? Like when when has that happened recently? Yeah, 
Has Ethan talked to anybody into Russell Westbrook yet? I, I, I just can't do it with Russ. And I think, I, like, I've seen the argument that he hasn't had a great coach, and I think there's some credence to that. But also, I just don't know exactly how he meshes with a guy like Spo. And um, even if you're trying to put Russ in a system, he's always kind of been the system, no matter who his teammate has been. And even if you're trying to move him off ball a little bit more, he's never shown the off ball feel. He's never been an active mover anyway. And he's never really shown great cutting instincts either. So you can't really use him that way. Or at least we haven't seen any indication that you can use him that way. So that just kind of makes it that you have to hand the reins over to Russ. And, you know, so there's an argument to that for him being the head of the snake. But the decision-making late in games, the lack of a jump shot, and you can't get away from the money. It's just if you're not going to win now, he's going to look worse. He's going to get older. And the money's going to get crazy. And it's just going to look like a bad bet at the end of the day. I mean, I think this is really tough, man, because I, I could I feel like 90 percent of the fan base is kind of clamoring for this to just happen already. And uh, every time that I try to imagine what it's going to look like on the floor, I'm like, oh, man, no, we were talking about this earlier. It's there's a whole other layer to this is do you really want to watch four years of Russell Westbrook do Russell Westbrook things? And I would say no. I really don't want to do that. And especially we're, we're all here. We talk about the heat all the time. I don't want to be the Russell Westbrook defender guy. I don't want to make that a part of my life. That was not kind of like what I was going for here. And uh, I just, I can't do it. I just, that's the whole other part of it. Like the other part of it was, was, you know, in the case of guys like Shaq, right? Shaq came to Miami and said, Dwayne Wade's the best player I ever played with. And he's absolutely correct. And he ceded the spotlight to Dwayne Wade after one year. And LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh came together out of a choice as free agents. And after a year, it was a little clunky, but Dwayne Wade ceded control to LeBron. I don't know that Westbrook and Jimmy Butler are going to be able to do that. And to me, that's as big as a part. Like, I, I'm the number one guy to defend Spo in the world, but that wasn't really him when it came to that, that stuff as far as getting the stars to mesh. It was, it was them wanting to do that. And like you said, I don't, I've never seen any evidence from Russ that he thinks that that's even a good idea. It's not even whether he, he's probably like, why would I do that? I'm Russell Westbrook. Like, why would I not have the ball? But when you talk to... Um Billy Donovan and, and Scott Brooks. Uh, I know there was some tension with Billy this year. They they talk pretty positively about Russ. I had long conversations with Scott Brooks about Russ, and I think uh, you know. Look again, there are parts of his game that that drive me crazy. And and like you said, he's not he's not a great shooter. His athleticism is going to start to go the other direction. He's had knee problems earlier in his career, and so you know there's parts of his game that he needs to have that he's not going to have, and he's stubborn. And so you add all that together, and that's a problem. But I would say this about Spo. I, I have always said that Spoke communicates better with the top guys than he does with the guys bottom t- towards the bottom of the roster. The guys who were always complaining to me about Spo during the Big Three era were the role guys, that they didn't know their roles. And it, it was not coincidence that they, the Heat took off in that 27-game winning streak when Spo, for the first time, found a not just a consistent rotation. It was the same rotation every single game. He was starting Haslam at the four, okay, and then the bench, they would come off with Cole, Allen, Battier, and Anderson. It was the same every game, and not only that, last three minutes, first quarter, with LeBron, okay? Then LeBron would take a seat. Dwayne would come in first three minutes with the bench guys for that, and they rolled that rotation during a three-month period, and that was the best basketball the Heat have ever played, okay? It was during that stretch. And, but for the most part, he struggled to find that with a lot of those guys. He doesn't like that sort of confrontation and that communication with the role players. Even the ones like a Shane. Like, you go back to him benching Shane in the playoffs, which Shane was angry about, and Spo never explained it to him. But with the guys at the top, Spo will go back at them. 
And so I, I just wonder, I, I think you guys are underestimating him in that regard now. I, I'm telling you, okay, Spo has had spreadsheets on Russell Westbrook probably for the last eight years about how he would use him. And I, I think, I just, I want to see that because I don't think Russ is totally unreachable uh, in this kind of circumstance. I, you know, we'll see, but I, I just don't, I, I think the things that scare other teams don't scare the Heat. They view them as assets. Jimmy Butler's competitiveness and cursing out guys in Philadelphia, which is was happening, which is why Brett Brown didn't want to coach him anymore. The Heat look at that like like Pat will get, take fines from other players to give that money to Jimmy if Jimmy will do that in practice. That's the way that the Heat views this stuff. Yeah, and I, I look, I was a fan of the Jimmy Butler thing because I think he is a little bit he's different than than Westbrook. Um, but let's let's switch gears here because we don't even know if Russell Westbrook's going to be a thing. We could keep hoping, even though Ethan really wants it to happen. But downloads, um, <laughs> man. I don't. That's totally transparent. Jimmy Butler. How do we think he's going to fit? Was everybody on board with obviously the Josh Richardson swap there? Anybody against it? Anybody for it? No, I was mostly fine with that. I think once you get into the signing trade, the price kind of dropped a little bit. I didn't like the first rounder going out, but it just kind of had to scramble after Dallas did Dallas things, I guess. We'll just roll with that. But um, compared to the kind of talent that Jimmy is, I mean, the only young guy you lose is Josh Richardson. I think you, you kind of live with that. How do you see Jimmy fitting in with Miami? Do you think he – all right, let's say Westbrook doesn't happen. We're all very happy. Um, Jimmy, alpha dog, how good are the Heat with that? Um, I think year one, you're going to be looking at uh, between 44 and 46 wins. Um, Jimmy's definitely the kind of alpha, that locker room on the ball, um, the closer that they've been missing that they kind of tried to mold Josh Richardson in in that mold last year. And to his credit, his clutch stats were fine. When they actually ran set plays for him, he was kind of fine that way. But when you had to you used to give him the ball with eight seconds left to go create something, it got ugly. Jimmy is a guy that's comfortable with the ball in his hands, either making passing reads or knocking down pull-ups, getting to the rim. He's always been great drawing fouls, so that's going to help alleviate a lot of pressure. Um, I think it also kind of settles everybody else into their roles now. If you're starting Justice Winslow, he's going to operate the head of Snake. And you can kind of let Jimmy work as the play finisher there. Um, both guys have great pick and roll instincts. That's going to help Bam out a lot. Um, he can set the tone defensively if he's actually engaged. He had some lapses last year, but I think he's still a, an upper level defender when he's locked in. I just think it's a great fit all around. Alex, I know uh, Miami Heat was big on the point justice thing. Are we worried at all with point justice, point Jimmy? Is that going to be an issue, do you think? So I think the Heat. They seem like they're kind of in on it, too, because they've been trying hard to trade Dragic the past few weeks, and they kind of put themselves in a bind by Pat Riley saying at that conference saying, oh, Dragic is our starting point guard. So I, I think they're kind of in on it, too. And I think if you bring in Jimmy, what, bringing in Jimmy Butler, that's the type of guy that fits really nicely ne- next to Winslow because he's kind of, I think, the archetype that you want to see Spo mold Russell Westbrook into, kind of like what, uh, piggybacking what Ethan was saying before when it comes to, like, uh, I guess Spo would go to like the shop, the, the Westbrook shop profile, for example. Try to, you know, it's more like what Jimmy Butler is doing, where it's a lot of, you know, the balance attack between the rim, the mid range, and he's a better shooter than Westbrook is from three as well, and he's a better defender than Westbrook is at this stage. So I think he's he's a lot of the, you know, he's it's a more clean fit than we think it is. Yeah, and not to go back to the Westbrook thing, but I do think that this team owes the rest of this roster and Jimmy Butler, to be honest, to see. All right, what does it look like? I know it's not that easy. If you if you really are in on Westbrook, then you got to make the move now as opposed to, like, he might not be available later. But it would be nice to see what this thing looks like before they start really shaking things up, I think. Um, there's another new addition to the Heat, Tyler Hero. They take him at 13. We haven't talked since that happened. Nikias, I know that you weren't a fan of Tyler Hero, or am I mislabeling you here? I wasn't a fan of the pick. Okay. It was... <laughs> 
it was less about me thinking he I never thought he was bad, but there were a lot of players I had higher on my board. Um, Brandon Clark slipping into the 20s just kind of hurt. Grant Williams, who looked great yesterday, that kind of hurt. Um, we haven't seen Romeo Langford yet, but I feel like he would have been a nice fit there. But um, I've warmed up to him a little bit just because he does have better feel as a passer than I thought he does. Um, the shot making is obviously there. But uh, watching him in Sacramento, watching him <laughs> against China, the shot creation is just he, – he can't beat anyone off the dribble. And it just – when you had that kind of a athletic deficit, it's kind of hard for the other stuff to matter because, you know, if you can – um, beat scrambling defenses with the pass. If the defenses aren't scrambled, then you're not going to be able to showcase that passing ability. And he just can't. He doesn't have a tight enough handle. He doesn't have a quick enough first step to consistently beat guys. And I just don't know what that's going to look like. Jack, the rebuttal. I, I mean, I also didn't like him, but I will say with the Butler trade, it makes a lot more sense. Um, there were guys I liked more. I was a big Lang for a guy um, who's your homer, but. Uh, I liked Seku a lot. I would say Langford would not make any sense with Butler and Winslow on the roster or Butler and Westbrook on the lo- roster. Hero is he's a guy who is an awesome shooter, and he doesn't really have the capability or potential to be great at anything else. But if you're a great shooter, you can have a lot of success in this league, and Miami could really use a great shooter. Um, and every time I see him out there, every time I see him pull up, it makes me a little more confident. Like, I like the pick every time I see him release a shot. Anytime he does anything else, I kind of, the doubts creep in again. But the shot's nice. Tyler Hero, if he were to fit with, between Justice Winslow, Jimmy Butler, I think that makes sense, you know? And, and like you said, you said after the Jimmy Butler trade, it sort of made sense. And I think, Ethan, you could probably remember, you, you definitely remember this. Do you remember that, I don't remember what year it was when the, the Miami Dolphins drafted they, Ted Ginn over Brady Quinn. Yes. And then everybody was like, wait, why? Like, we obviously don't have a quarterback. Why would you not take Brady Quinn? And then they go in the second round and grab John Beck. And not, that didn't work out at all. But center. Oh my god! Yeah, that yeah. that's part. It's a key part of the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, but uh, after that, the, you know, they take Ted Ginn. Everybody's like, "Wait, that doesn't make sense." And like, like an hour later, like, "All right, now I'm seeing the plan." That kind of the the Tyler Hero pick. You pa- you're passing on like Romeo Langford, who a lot of people mocked to the Heat um, at that position. Sekou Dumbuya was still there on the board, uh, who had people had going way higher than where the Heat were picking at 13. And then you make the Jimmy Butler trade, and you're like, okay, well maybe there was actually a plan here. I think they knew all along they were getting Jimmy Butler. I, I think they've known for months kind of what it would take. Um, you know, obviously, you know, there's a relationship there between Pat and Elton Brand that goes back to Pat trying to steal Elton Brand from the Clippers. Uh, they, 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 they knew sort of what their parameters were and what the chances were of them getting him. I mean, there are certain statements they were making publicly you don't make publicly unless you think you're getting him. And so I think when they made the pick, there was an understanding that that was likely the direction that they were going to go. You know, as far as, as Hero goes, look, you, you play for the Heat if you defend. Like, so I, I do think that that matters. Like, we can talk about how beautiful the shot looks and they need shooters, but I've also seen them have a bunch of shooters over the years that could not get on the floor because they couldn't guard anybody. And they were better defenders than he is at this stage. And so I, I just I, I want us to not get, sort of get ahead of ourselves. The other thing about it is if Dion's still on the roster, Dion gets in shape, they're going to want to reward Dion by playing Dion, and they also want to get his value up to a certain point. And so I, I just think, you know, Nikias and I talked about it the other day, and I agree with him from a spacing standpoint. I don't like watching Dion play much. 
So I was sort of on board with you start Tyler at the two. I think they're going to start Dion at the two. I, I just think ultimately, as long as he's in shape and does the things they want him to do, they'll figure that the Tyler Hero era will come. I mean, how many rookies really over the years have they plugged in from the very beginning? I mean, Rio they did as a rookie because they had nobody else. He's amazing. Well, he's the best player ever lived. Right. I mean, that was the best. I, I, I've said I was here for Zion, LeBron, Durant, Westbrook, Dwayne, all their summer league debuts. Chalmers was the most amazing I ever saw. It was in front of 12 people, but it was great. Uh, but I, I just, I, I, but I, you know, if you look at rookies, I mean, they made Beasley earn it, and he was the number two overall pick of the draft. He wasn't a starter right away. Remember, he's playing behind UD uh, and was in and out behind UD for two years. And some of the other rookies that they've had in recent years, I mean, Bam, it was circumstantial, but they've made him earn it. You know, Justice and Josh were not – I mean, Josh was on flights with me when he was connecting to go to Sioux Falls his first year. So I just say let's slow down a little bit on this and see how the roster settles out. I mean, who knows, too? Like, maybe a deal goes down the next day or two. Has Kyle Korver signed anywhere yet? Like – is that possible that they decide they're going to bring another shooter and maybe he's the guy? I think Milwaukee's probably more likely for him if it's not Los Angeles. But I, I just, I saying slow down until we see if he can stay in front of somebody. If he can't stay in front of somebody, they're not going to put him on the floor. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Dion starts from day one. He was Miami's best catch and shoot guy last year uh, towards the end of the season. He could switch defensively, which is an underrated part of his game because he's, he's big and he can kind of get up against forwards for a couple of seconds off the shot clock there. Um, and so I think Dion ends up being the starter. And, but Tyler does make – he's trying really hard defensively. I think one of the things that stuck out in Sacramento especially was that his fundamentals are kind of behind. And I don't know, maybe Kentucky doesn't teach defensive fundamentals, which wouldn't shock me. But he lunges out on three-pointers instead of short-stepping out to the three-point line. He, he, but he's trying hard. Like, he keeps looking at coaches. He's trying to figure out the lingo. He's trying to figure out the language from the coaching staff. So you like that. But I think Dion ends up being the starter day one. Tyler eventually either later this season or down the road. Or if Dion gets traded – uh, the idea is at least for him to, to step in. But let's um, finish this thing up really quick with um, a uh, – uh, let's just go around and say, like, where do we think the Heat are positioned to finish in the Eastern Conference? Because the big news, obviously, with Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers. The Toronto Raptors are still going to be a good basketball team. We don't know how good they're going to be. Uh, Brooklyn has got their big free agent acquisitions, but Durant's going to take a redshirt year. And you've obviously got Philadelphia in their moves. Depends on what you think about that. Boston, the same thing. Uh, where are the Heat position now as far as the Eastern Conference? Um, I would probably slot them in mm, either fifth or sixth. I think there's a, um, I said, I think Boston's going to be fine in the regular season. I think they definitely have some front court issues to start in the playoffs. But I think they're going to win regular season games. Philly's definitely up there. Milwaukee's definitely up there. I love what Indiana's doing. So I think that's my top four in some order automatically. Um, I have my questions about Kyrie. I think that's kind of where I go between fifth and sixth with Brooklyn. But uh, I think it's going to be somewhere in that range unless we see a bunch of injuries up top. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up just in the same in that mix with Brooklyn, Indiana, and Boston in the regular season. Obviously, it depends on how everything works out. But I think they're right there. They're just like those kind of teams that they have, you know, that main star and, you know, the supplementary players. You know, they all have good defenses, except, we'll, you know, we'll see what Boston looks like now that they went from – Kyrie and Al, and Al Horford to Kemba and Ennis Cantor. But I think the Heat might be, you know, right in the mix for anywhere between three and six. I would probably guess 46 or 47 wins. Yeah, I think we can all agree they're in that tier. Um, whether at the, they're at the top of that tier or at the bottom of that tier kind of depends on how Winslow and Bam develop. Um, I think one or both of them could have take big jumps. Could see that from Bam. Um, 
depends on whether Dion looks healthy, looks good. I mean, if Dion is what he was, uh, like the Dion that earned him that contract, then that changes things. And I know people kind of discount him, but like he hasn't been healthy, healthy since then. And it could happen. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I would put him in the same tier. I, I, I Again, the reason I'm a little more optimistic is because I've seen them do these shuffles on the fly before. And and so I, I think it's going to – and one of the things we were talking about last year, we were talking about, like, continuity matters. And a lot of times it just doesn't. Like, that was one of the knocks against the Heat last year was, well, I, you had the same damn team. Like, why were you not better, especially early in the season? But I think sometimes um, teams that have shakeups are less stale, right? And so and, – and they're a little more motivated. And when I went to a couple of days of training camp last year, and I think you, were, now you and I were both at the scrimmage – that team was weird last year in the preseason. Like they had a bunch of guys out. You didn't know if they were being held out because they were being held out for a trade. Spo had 12 players he had to satisfy, including like four he didn't seem to like. Like I feel like now it's like uh, just to me, and I don't want to bang on him too much, but just getting Hassan out of the room. Like I think we haven't talked about that at all, but I, I just think that is a huge pressure release for the head coach. Like you don't have a guy in there who you know is openly – annoyed about the way you're playing him and a guy you don't really want to play because you want to play the other guy and you know that's maxed out and I feel like and I think there's been underreported in my view tension in the past couple of years between players that the front office brought in and players that the coaching staff really wanted to develop and now that's pretty much cleaned out like you've got Dion but maybe Dion's in better you know frame of mind and better physically and James Johnson but as long as you're not expecting too much of James Johnson and he's healthy like you can put the contract aside and say maybe you can get effective minutes out of him but just to get and Tyler wasn't a bad guy but it's just you had like six of the same guard that Eric had to play like that the clutter is gone and and one of the things that people told me about last year was they just think getting the clutter out will be addition by subtraction so I I think to me losing Hassan is five wins I just for like everybody's uh, mental health in there. Um, and so you get to play Bam 30 plus minutes a game. Play Bam, And I think, you know, if we're looking at a Bam who's given you, you know, 15, eight, you know, and a, uh, you know, a block or two and playing the kind of defense he can play and then giving you three assists also like that changes your whole dynamic. So I'm going to say right now without a Westbrook trade, you know, 46 to 48, uh, which I think could be third in the Eastern conference. I think they could be that high to be honest. I think the shakeup, I 100% agree with you, is going to help this team. And I, I think continuity is really overrated. I think everybody like looks at the Spurs and they view that as, like, but that's a different kind of continuity. That's Hall of Fame, all-time levels of continuity. And, you I mean, Philadelphia last year was like, well, these pieces don't really fit together. Well, they had the best starting five by net rating in the league last year. At some point, high-level talent really matters. They were away from ending up in the finals, right? Yeah. Basically. Exactly. And, and then I, I remember talking to Tyler Johnson when he was in Phoenix after he got traded, and I asked him, I was like, what did that 30 and 11 stretch do to that team? And he was like, I think he's like, obviously it was really amazing and fun in the moment. And we, but our confidence was too high and we just got lazy the next year. And we just thought we could sort of ride that continuity the next year. And I thought he was really honest about it. And, and, you know, it was, it was something I think we all felt and saw and you could kind of see that playing out. It was interesting to hear a player actually say it um, and just admit to it. But yeah, just to wrap this thing up, I think that I'm right with you guys. I think if you keep Jimmy Butler where he's at, 
lean in on the development of Justice Winslow, Bam Adebayo, hopefully get a lot from these role guys who are getting healthier. Uh, yeah, I think 48 wins is right in the in the ballpark. But if they trade for Russell Westbrook, they'll probably end up in the lottery. But that's going to do it uh, for us today. Uh, this was a major crossover between Lockdown, Heat, Miami Heat, Beat, Five Reasons Sports. Thanks, everybody, for jumping on. And uh, let's get back out to Las Vegas Summer League and uh, hit the casinos tonight, lose some money. It'll be a good time.